the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The doctor is in the house. This is Zudi Jasser in the chair for Seth Leapson, uh, rounding out the week and uh, bringing you into the weekend. And thank you, Seth, uh, for giving me the opportunity to uh, share your audience. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, and since I had the opportunity, I uh, uh, wanted to uh, spend the next few hours talking to you a little bit. Uh, in this hour, we're going to talk about uh, Canada the Canadian truckers that have had the courage and the moral fortitude to stand up for what many of us uh, have not been able to do uh, in this uh, pandemic era of government control. And uh, I tapped into uh, some of my uh, close uh, friends and contacts in Canada, and we'll be talking to uh, a couple of them shortly. And uh, then in the next hour, we'll be talking about China, the Uyghurs, the genocide against the Uyghurs, and why some of us especially in the Muslim community, are not, are not watching the Olympics and uh, why the cold, a cold war with China might, might be a good thing. Uh, and uh, last, we're going to have in studio uh, Dr. Jeff Singer, who's going to spend some time talking to us about uh, the pandemic, where we are in 2022 on policies moving forward. But without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Dan McTeague. Dan, welcome to the program. Uh, pleasure to be here, Zidia. It's uh, nice to be invited and uh, speaking to some old friends in a beautiful part of the world that uh, is a lot more envious than the cold weather we have up here in Toronto. <laughs> Thank you. I will not tell you what the temperature is, though, <clears throat> about <go>. 65, 70. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. <laughs> so Dan, Dan, is, we go. Dan is a longtime uh, uh, member of the parliament in, uh, in Canada until uh, a few years ago. And he's also a longtime energy expert, former 18-year member of the Parliament in Canada, and now president of the Canadians for Affordable Energy. And uh, what I want to do is lay out – most of us uh, are aware just because uh, uh, we know conservative media is covering uh, this issue, but the traditional media have been trying to ignore while the Biden administration sort of takes uh, both sides of this, if that's even possible. Uh, but what I want to do is if you can first sort of lay out – what triggered this? Who started the protests and uh, where we are today when it comes to the convoy of trucks that are now uh, stemming out to blocking uh, a number of uh, tributaries into Ottawa, but uh, started across the country? Sure, Zidi. About three weeks ago, um, it became apparent that there was going to be no change in the uh, U.S. and Canadian mandate imposing on every uh, uh, truck driver crossing the border, a requirement that they all be vaccinated. Otherwise, uh, they wouldn't be allowed in the United States, and they would know whether to be allowed back in Canada. Uh, this came about back in November, negotiated bilateral negotiations between the two countries, just on the eve of uh, the, uh, the Omicron variant, or whatever variant we were dealing with prior to that. Most agreed that this was not going to be enough time to make the adjustments necessary, and of course, uh, established uh, things that were credible, which, of course, means the science. People who tend to sit inside a cab all day, uh, very rarely they come in contact with other people, aren't likely to be the transmitters. So that as the uh, as the deadline loomed and came and went, uh, tr- 
Eastern Canada and Western Canada decided to uh, bring their grievance uh, to Ottawa, to Parliament Hill, uh, and to ensure that the, the public understood very well the implications of shutting down the trucking industry. Now, of course, not everybody agreed with this, but even those of us who have had vaccines, one, two, maybe even a third, a booster, uh, you know, were not ones who were necessarily going to accept the idea that we force people to take these things. It's, uh, it's not in keeping with the Canadian tradition of freedoms, uh, and it certainly doesn't help that people who are not responsible for spreading whatever uh, variant this may be, and truckers who we applauded not more than a few months ago for carrying the heavy weight along with all the other folks on the front lines, uh, many of them now finding themselves without the ability to make ends meet, uh, fired, let go, not able to cross borders, and that's really what triggered this. So they began in Ottawa two weeks ago uh, at, on this very day and uh, basically uh, shut down the, the city, the downtown, the parliamentary precinct. So that's our, the equivalent of our capital or our uh, uh, Congress and uh, the White House. Everything here is sort of in a lockdown situation as far as, uh, you know, as far as economic activity is concerned. And they have no intention of leaving. Of course, it's now morphed into other activity across Canada, uh, some coming into Alberta, uh, some uh, you know, coming in uh, you know, the locations in Manitoba. But the big one, of course, is across the Detroit River uh, between Detroit and Windsor, uh, arguably the largest economic uh, choke point uh, for all of North American trade. And so the fact that it's shut down now is now starting to have uh, reverberations economically. Politicians are, uh, are you know, of two minds. They obviously don't like to see the economy come to a standstill. Um, but they don't want to push this thing to the extent that it would uh, create some kind of, uh, you know, unforeseen, you know, uh, uh, violent outcome. And I think that's why there has been sort of uh, a bit of a standoff between authorities, politicians, and, uh, and, and truckers. Whatever it is, it is coming to a head. Uh, the, my province here uh, of Ontario declared a state of emergency um, because, of course, much of our Manufacturing depends on that just-in-time system crossing the border. And now, of course, you have uh, you know, some that are saying they're going to dig their heels in. Uh, and it appears this is going to spread, not just across Canada, but uh, perhaps across and around North America, your country, to a large extent. And uh, mirror what we've seen in places like France, that we've seen in Spain, that we've seen in Italy, where people are taking to the streets and saying enough is enough uh, with these authoritarian mandates. Right. So quick question on, uh, on the... Uh, why why the truckers uh, you know because if you look in in the US Arizona uh, you know a we have a conservative governor who even though we've had lockdowns comparatively to other states we had less more than I would have wanted but we had less uh, but at the end of the day um, Canada has just been just levels in a completely different arena if you will as far as the amount of lockdowns yeah. your country's had oh, yeah. what what's specific about trucking uh, brought them to a head as far, as far as every other industry that was shut down also in Canada? Yeah, I think it was really the, uh, the, the proverbial needle that broke the back of the camel. I mean, look, you have Ontario as, as a jurisdiction and neighbouring Quebec both having you know gone through four iterations of lockdowns, the longest lockdown period against business uh, in uh, in the hopes of trying to combat this, uh, this these variations of, of COVID, uh, and what you've seen here is uh, people hitting the wall, and of course, truckers saying uh, we're not going to handle this very well. You need us, and we need you. Uh, we 
we need to send a message to Ottawa. Right now, I've got to tell you, the and I have been uh, a Liberal member of Parliament for 18 years, from 1993 to 2011. Uh, you know, my party would be very similar to your old uh, Democratic Party. I say old because well before uh, the characters you have currently in that party. <laughs> uh, so there was a time in which they were far more balanced. They were more interested in economic outcomes. They were interested in ensuring that our social programs were viable because we could finance them properly by encouraging, you know, a strong economic recovery, especially in the oil and gas sector, which is our bread and butter. Uh, so we go back to a time in which uh, liberals were a whole lot more pragmatic and uh, recognized uh, you can't run deficits. This uh, version uh, of the Liberal Party run by Justin Trudeau is not in any way, shape, or form the Liberty Party uh, of uh, the one I belonged to for several decades. Uh, it is uh, very much a cult-like party. Uh, it is uh, one that is given to identity politics, virtue signaling, uh, and divide and conquer. Uh, con- the country is extraordinarily diverse regionally and, of course, demographically. And you have this sort of East versus West, rich versus poor, uh, you know, left versus right, things that, you know, may have been on the percolating under the surface for years, but uh, in a way that this prime minister, uh, you know, and only he could do this, uh, inflamed, uh, you know, already very raw nerves here in Canada by suggesting to the truckers they were to come well before they got there were fringe, were unacceptable. Uh, I've heard the word terrorist. Uh, there's all sorts of, uh, uh, of, of words that I think uh, suggest that uh, this was a foregone conclusion. The government has said it was not going to sit down and talk and negotiate or address significant grievances. Uh, and so for that reason, you have a significant uh, and perhaps unprecedented standoff, which isn't just, you know, confined to trucks showing up to Ottawa, but also right across the, the nation. We're a nation, of course, like yours, that uh, depends heavily on trucking. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier the Ambassador Bridge, uh, the 401, that corridor, part, arguably one of the most traveled in North America. And it's, uh, it, it's significant to keep our economy running. And that's for that reason the truckers, I think, uh, the, the small numbers that were out there grew very quickly. And it became also issues, not just the mandate, but also the fuel prices. Our fuel prices are insane here. Yeah. We've decided that we're going to have not one, but two carbon taxes, that we're going to, let, you know, we're going to uh, destroy our energy sector so that uh, we, uh, we don't have the ability to pay our bills off. So a lot of people are very concerned about that. Truckers, of course, use diesel. Our diesel prices are probably about 40% higher than they are, say, in neighboring uh, states of uh, New York or Pennsylvania or, uh, for that matter, Michigan. When we, when we come back in the next segment, I want to really highlight such an important point that you just basically made. You know, I'm a conservative from uh, the time Reagan uh, was a conservative, uh, uh, and uh, that's when I became the way I am. And when we come back, I want to talk about why the left abandoned the workers. We'll be right back. You bet. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser and the chair for Seth, who's away. I am honored to, to be joined by uh, Dan Mateague. Uh, he, McTeague, he's a, a longtime energy expert, a former 18-year member of the Parliament in Canada, and now President of Canadians for Affordable Energy. We've been talking about uh, the uh, Canadian truckers, uh, the convoy protest uh, that has uh, captured the imagination of all of us free thinkers in the West. And, you know, so, something, Dan, that I think is just amazing to me is you see the Amazon company owned by Jeff Bezos that also owns the Washington Post put a cartoon out that showed a convoy of truckers with with fascists written on each truck. 
And yet these blue-collar workers who have their own businesses, many of them, and some uh, are part of unions and other things, it reminds me of the Reagan era, which is when I embraced conservatism. And for the first time, I think in decades, uh, the Teamsters and other unions ended up voting for Reagan because uh, they realized that he was not only for uh, uh, free enterprise but for the individual. Do you think that's sort of where we're headed even on steroids now because – the left is, as you pointed out, headed towards wokeism, headed towards identity politics and divisions and collectivism. Uh, what do, where do you think this is headed politically in Canada right now? I think it's a confrontation and a long overdue uh, duel, uh, perhaps uh, uh, you know, now a, a challenge between uh, what has been a very quiet, uh, very passive uh, majority who sort of sat on the sidelines and watched their country systematically lose its uh, its freedoms and its uh, its democracy uh, and be vilified uh, for you know standing up for what they believe in. Um, it, it, uh, this is unusual for a country like ours where we normally don't have leaders who go in and try to divide the nation. Uh, we've gone through several examples more recently uh, in 1980 and again in 1995, where the country came very close to the brink of separation. And those tendencies have always been out there. But rather than be sensitive to these kind of things that makes our country unique, uh, we have a prime minister who is uh, given to uh, vilifying and, of course, encouraged by his cabinet colleagues uh, to take that sort of woke approach to everything as if, you know, society has change so much that it's our way or the highway in which there are no new values but values only basically on you know as i mentioned earlier uh, identity politics and and virtue signaling uh, we have a problem in the sense that uh it, up until now it's almost been universal condemnation of anybody who disagrees with the norm are you know are labeled far right extremists uh and now of course as you just pointed out uh, images uh, uh, coming from you know various papers uh, depicting people who disagree and who dissent as somehow being fascist. What a slur. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and I, I don't have that happen to me a whole lot, uh, because I, I tell, I think people know, I, I, I wasn't just a backbench congressman, uh, the equivalent, I was a member of parliament for 18 years, serving under at least two to three liberal prime ministers. Uh, my work has always been in the field of helping Canadians uh, get by consumer issues, uh, you know, and recognizing that, uh, you know, I may not have liked the way in which certain things took place, but I never struck out to try to destroy the very things that make our country unique. And so what the Prime Minister has done here is opened a serious wound in the country, the likes of which may take a long time to heal. It's quite, quite another thing to have set the country on an economic track, which is uh, likely to lead to generations of significant pain. But as uh, someone who spent a lot of time with this party, and who knew his father when he was prime minister, agreed and disagreed with him. At the end of the day, he never sought to divide the country and destroy it for his own, uh, you know, for his own uh, ambition. And in this case, we have a very serious problem in Canada. It's, it's a confrontation, and it's not going to end uh, with, uh, with the truckers' protests. This goes far more deep into the psyche of Canadians, and it has created uh, an awareness, I think, the likes of which we have never seen in this country in decades. And, and how out of touch does Trudeau and, and his companions have to be 
in which they, I mean, even politicians that may not agree sort of uh, they become pragmatists and their ideology shape shifts if they're not ideologically honest because they are they try to be populists. Right. So sometimes populism uh, uh, often breeds dishonesty in politicians because they don't want to lose that constituency. So this is like the opposite. He's making constituencies into enemies and saying that these these truckers are there are the enemy of the people and and how tone deaf are they to to not realize that this is going to end up uh, uh, shifting the electoral dynamics in Canada? And also we're seeing this in the U.S., I think, also. In, in 22, there's uh, reports of a coming tsunami uh, in November here. Look, Canada's uh, democratic system is uh, winner-take-all. Uh, you don't even have to. If 18 percent of the people who actually show up to vote wind up voting for you, uh, uh, of those who are registered, you can actually form what's called a minority or even a majority government. And uh, we have, uh, you know, in this circumstance, almost a coalition. You have a few other parties that are, you know, s- significantly far to the left that will support Mr. Trudeau and his gang any time. You also have something odd. Members of parliament or people of Congress don't speak out. They are told what to do, literally. They're told what to say, literally. They don't have the ability to speak for the representatives. I know this is a this may come as a shock. Canada's democracy has taken a major hit. I know because I passed actually passed legislation as a member of parliament. I can't tell you the number of times where I disagreed with my party and, and voted against it. I never brought it to the point where it would come down or challenge the government and cause an election. But our system has put all of its eggs in one basket. The prime minister apparently is everything. The caucus is nothing. And so for the first time in a very long time, I'm going to say seven years since Trudeau took over as PM, as Prime Minister, you had two uh, strong backbenchers, uh, members of Parliament, come out and, and uh, criticize, not him, but criticize the mandate policies and said this is overreach, it's gone too far, and it is not, drumroll please, based on credible science. <laughs> and so you now have a, a, a very interesting situation where the Liberals are starting to turn, uh, uh, turn upon themselves. Uh, that may very well get washed over, but it does suggest that it is quite likely that Mr. Trudeau, in having played his ambition against the interests of the country and created this uh, this divisiveness, may very well now be the subject of a target of backbenchers who are funny, getting some spine and willing to push back on his authoritarian ways. Okay, now I think the most important point, and uh, we've only got a minute left in this segment. Are you able to stay one more segment, by the way? Or sure, yeah. No, okay, great. So in the yeah. in the last minute of this segment, the, the two most important. Let's cover the first point: is who's the leader of the of this sort of demonstration from the truckers? And the reason that's relevant is what does the leadership want that would make them go away, or at least go back to letting Canada get back to work? Because the reason that question is relevant is I heard today Ford. Uh, started saying they're going to start arresting and fining people for one-year sentences, et cetera. And if that's true, oh, my gosh, there's going to, it's going to get a, a hundred times worse. It will. We have the Constitution, the Charter of Rights, though. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, you can't just make laws uh, and uh, wish for them to happen. We have, thankfully, a Charter of Rights that was passed in 1982. And uh, that will be uh, the big test. The courts will make those decisions, not politicians or their enforcers. So when we come back, let's uh, uh, finish the discussion uh, with the the brilliant uh, Dan McTeague about what do these truckers want? What ultimately, when they sit together and they're having their sandwiches uh, on their parked uh, trucks, uh, God bless them for their courage on the bridges and wherever they are, what is it that would actually make them feel, you know, we have victory? 
we have achieved what we want to achieve. And I, I'd like to – I think many of us in the U.S. want to know what that is because our own security services, DHS, is saying, oh, it might come this weekend, Super Bowl weekend over into Detroit. We might see some mirror protests across the U.S. Well, protesting is fantastic. I think it's wonderful. But you always want to know what you want out of it and what your goal is. So when we come back, we'll figure that out with Dan. Zudi Jasser filling in for Seth Leibson. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser in the chair for Seth Leibson. Welcome, everybody. Uh, hope uh, you're having a good Friday as we head towards the weekend. We are trying to understand and appreciate and uh, look at what's due next in Canada with this uh, protest that has captured the imagination of all free thinkers in the West, the Canadian truckers and their convoy. And we're speaking with, I think, one of the most brilliant people on this is Dan McTeague, longtime energy expert, former 18-year member of parliament, by the way, with the Liberal Party, which is uh, the Democratic equivalent to the Democratic Party here in uh, in the U.S. So uh, I think uh, he speaks from a position of uh, understanding uh, what has gone wrong with the left in Canada, and now president of uh, Canadians for Affordable Energy. And I think in these last few minutes, and thanks so much, Dan, for your time and for sticking with us here past uh, uh, the bottom of the hour. Tell us, what do you think, you know, my my parents escaped Syria and we saw the protests in the Middle East and those protests were about trying to change regimes, etc. But those were pure and simple military dictatorships that were authoritarian. Now, the protests have captured our imagination in Canada and elsewhere because, as Reagan said, we're always one generation away from losing our freedoms. What do these what do these folks want that would make them say, you know, this was worth it, we succeeded? I think they, above all, should expect some respect from this government, that uh, the government may not agree with them, but has to pay a little bit more attention uh, rather than making mandates or decisions by you know, by executive order or uh, contemptuously without taking into account uh, the significant implications of uh, leaving vast numbers of people who are involved with the uh, critical distribution of our of our goods and services uh, out in the cold. Um, I think if that were to be sort of the modus operandi, the prime minister has 30 cabinet ministers. He could have had any one of them sit down and try to at least speak to these individuals rather than saying, they don't speak for all truckers. They're certain they're they're fringe. They're unacceptable. Remind me of uh, Hillary Clinton's unfortunate uh, remark uh, to opponents uh, as deplorables. And this is exactly how it's been played out. The reality is that this has become highly politicized. The vaccine itself has become highly politicized in Canada, and uh, I think there's uh, there's need now for pullback. There's no doubt in the minds of Canadians that uh, this has gone way too far. And so I think it. Uh, those truckers, the majority who, by the way, no, are no longer participating but have made their point, uh, are seeking anything. It's to have a final end to these mandates, these uh, bogus authoritarian mandates that at the end of the day serve no other purpose other than to uh, give the state far more power than it deserves. And that's what I was talking about with Biden taking both sides, is that all of a sudden you see the left in America coming with this epiphany that, oh, well, maybe we... The mask mandates can go down and the, you know, uh, as if now their science has changed. No, uh, they're realizing that there is a massive disaster awaiting for them in November and they're going to try to take credit for relieving a lot of the mandates. And uh, uh, I think the beautiful thing about what's happening in Canada is the truckers have in essence 
may be responsible for saving your democracy because they have now robbed the left of ever being able to take credit for relieving the mandates because they're going to force Trudeau to do it. Hopefully that's how this ends. Yeah, I, you know, we don't know how it's going to end. We hope it's not going to end violently. Uh, even if it does, I think the, re- the damage to the government is pretty severe. Uh, and it has to recognize that it's not just the mandates, it's that there are other moves. Between COVID and carbon taxes and climate, this is a government that's obsessed with telling people what it thinks. And if you happen to disagree, uh, you are, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you are vilified. And that has got to stop. Now, we live in a country here in Canada. I'm going to be reporting this evening. The highest prices paid for fuel at any time in our history is about to hit us on again on Sunday. Uh, and people simply can't afford to make ends meet. So against all of this you know, disquiet in Canada, led by the truckers, uh, who brought a number of grievances to the uh, finally to the prime minister, and the media cannot spin it. We now have a, a, a true uh, wave of high prices that are about to hit Canadians in a way that they have never felt before, and much of it to do with the fact this is the same government that has done everything it could uh, to shut down our oil and gas sector. Literally, our bread and butter that pays for our uh, our, our services, pays for our social programs, and provides us. Uh, uh, you know, a, a quality of life that is unequaled globally, save and except you, our American friends. Well, well, God bless you for your time, for your knowledge and your insight. I can't tell you how helpful it is to those of us down here in the U.S. and Arizona to hear the facts on the ground politically. I can tell you as a primary care doc, the concept of essential worker I, I have always deplored. I, I have not liked. I think every worker, whether you're a trucker, a bartender, whatever you might be, is essential to their families, essential to their community. And uh, I think inflation, as you said, is going to be a, a the next massive uh, issue to affect us because our prices, our costs are not changing in the medical industry or elsewhere. Inflation goes up, but our incomes will go down. So thank you, Dan, for your time. God bless you. And, uh, Dr. Give, Zuby, thank you. God bless. Any, anytime. Take care. We'll be right back. Bye-bye now. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. This is Zudi Jaster filling in for Seth on this last day of the week as we enter the weekend. And uh, I am not only honored to, to share his audience, uh, but uh, also to have the opportunity to bring uh, longtime friends and, and – uh, uh, advisors and, and friends uh, that I've known uh, north of the border to talk about an issue that has just riveted those of us here in America. And also, I think the courage of the truckers, the courage of the convoy and what it's done has been able to do what a lot of us uh, have not been able to do. And I thought of no one better to sort of finish our conversation this hour with than uh, Ezra Levant. Welcome to the program, Ezra. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Jaster. It's great to be here. Thank you. And Ezra is the uh, uh, founder and president of Rebel News Media. He is the uh, he has Rebel News reporters across Canada, closely covering the Truckers Freedom Convoy. And you know, I have to say, Ezra, I read your thread yesterday in Twitter, and you hit on points that uh, I was embarrassed as an American to say, "Hey, there's there should be American reporters reporting about the impact this has on America." And here's a Canadian, pol- you know, political expert uh, uh, writing and. I think something like 12 or 13 tweets uh, basically summarizing the impact of how this is going to end. So in our short time together, I wanted you to sort of lay out for our listeners 
How do you think this is going to end? And walk us through. Uh, I love how you talked about Vice President uh, Jen Psaki and uh, how she tried to (laughs) – and you said that tongue-in-cheek, obviously – but how she tried to dismiss these blockades as sort of sporadic. And then the other dismissals that uh, the Biden administration has had and Trudeau's uh, – not only is he crippled politically, but but what do you think this is going to lead to and how do they – how does Canada then unblock that important bridge that has 25 percent of the economy – going between our two countries. Sure. Well, first of all, don't feel bad for not following things in Canada. I mean, most of the time, Canada is just a little bit cold and a little bit boring (laughs) for Americans. And we sort of like it that way, to be honest. Um, But in the last two weeks, I've seen such a grassroots uprising of peaceful protesters that really was leaderless. There was no political party, no super PAC. It's just ordinary Canadians saying, you know, we've had enough of these lockdowns. And these vaccine mandates. And when they went after the truckers who've been working so hard for all of us for two years, when they said, you guys have to have a vaccine or you can't do your work anymore, you're banned. And and that's a fairly solitary job. Like you're not right. you know, you're in your trucker's cab all day. So it's it seemed punitive. Physically distant like by definition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So these truckers just said, you know what, we're going to have a convoy. And Canada is such a big country, so it actually turned into a lot of different convoys. And they actually made their way to Ottawa. And my God, by the time they got there, the convoy had 100,000 trucks combined, all the different threads of it. And I'd say about a million people had gathered to watch them along the road or on overpasses. It's the largest political movement, maybe in Canadian history, completely peaceful, And I think what's also telling about it is from people who have likely never done a political thing, never been to a protest, never been to a rally in their life. They just thought it's now or never. And so it was such an inspiration for Canadians. But here's the thing. Justin Trudeau, he didn't like this. He's been a really tough lockdownist. He has some of the strictest laws in the world. Uh, Canada has some had some terrible lockdowns, like the province of Quebec had a curfew from 10 p.m. till 5 a.m. every day. That's. That's absurd. And that's, by the way, whether you're vaccinated or not. So people were fed up with it. And Justin Trudeau doesn't like opposition. So he started playing the race card. He called them racist. He called them sexist. He said they were violent. He called them Nazis. And normally that sort of works for him. But the thing about truckers in Canada is they're very racially diverse. There's a lot of minorities who are in trucking, a lot of Sikh Canadians. So everyone knows this and sees this. And they saw Justin Trudeau just shrieking, Nazi, Nazi. And everyone said, what are you talking about? And like I say, because a million people had firsthand connection to this, they they knew immediately it was fake. So Trudeau lost a lot of face. But that's the part that brings in Joe Biden. Because as th- this convoy is not going away. In fact, it's spreading. There's now a blockade on the Montana-Alberta border. There's a blockade on the North Dakota-Minnesota, uh, sorry, North Dakota-Manitoba border. There's one, um, you know, there's, there's so many of them, I'm, I'm losing track. There's at least four blockades, mm-hmm. including on another bridge. And this big bridge you mentioned before between Detroit and Windsor, it's so important because the auto industry is sort of on both halves of that bridge, both sides of the bridge. And it's just hundreds of millions of dollars a day of commerce that goes over that bridge. So all of a sudden, Justin Trudeau's problem has become Joe Biden's problem because you want to talk about supply chain. Holy moly. 
And just the visual optics of these trucks is amazing. What if that spreads across America? Joe Biden does not need another problem heading into the midterms. He's already got enough. So the difference between Biden and Trudeau is that Trudeau has been smearing these truckers as Nazis for two weeks and threatening them and abusing them. But this is what caught my eye, and that's that's what you mentioned before. Jen Psaki, when she was asked about it the first day, she did not go negative. She did not attack. She didn't do a Trudeau. She was actually very respectful. She talked about how much Joe Biden loves truckers. I don't know if it's true, but she said it. <laughs> and I thought, I know what she's doing. She's paving the way for some sort of compromise where maybe Joe Biden announces, hey, guess what? The science has evolved, and we don't need a vaccine mandate for truckers to cross the border anymore, and we're going to lift it. And thank you, truckers, and I love truckers. And (laughs) the thing is, if Joe Biden does that, well, Trudeau has to do that, too, because these trucks do round trips, right? They cross the border, and then they come back. So you can't have a forced vaccine mandate only one way. So Joe Biden can do what Trudeau can't. He can talk to the truckers without losing face. That's my prediction for how this ends, because I think Trudeau's approach are just getting tough and more and more abusive. I think it's sort of backfiring. And does Joe Biden really need that problem? I, I imagine if the truckers spread to America. Imagine if that if these convoys spread to America. Joe Biden doesn't want that. And our DHS this week is is warning around the Super Bowl that it may start spreading around the country. So. And CNN security analyst uh, Juliette Kayam called for the slashing of the tires of these trucks <laughs> and the removal of their fuel, which makes absolute. Not only does it make no pragmatic sense, but it's that talk about fascist. That sounds pretty fascist. Yeah. They didn't do that to the occupiers yeah. in Seattle or any of the other federal buildings that were being destroyed with Black Lives Matter uh, uh, demonstrations. But, you know, I have to tell you, the one thing I think that we will forever end up thanking these truckers for is even if Biden even if the scenario which you laid out really makes sense, I think at the end of the day, the political ramifications are never going to swing back to the left to sort of say they saved the day. Because if you look at the truckers that supported Reagan, it was about supporting the individuals against sort of government mandates. And I think that uh, politically, uh, we're not going to see them you know, recover from this. Do you think so? I think what we've seen is that the working classes, which truckers are, are abandoned by the parties of the left. You've seen the parties of the left be the most vicious to a genuine you know, working-class movement, uh, whereas you see solidarity amongst other working people. Tow truck companies have refused to tow the truckers. Now farmers are getting into it. And what they have seen with clear eyes is that you know, our socialist parties, our left-wing parties, they don't actually stand with working people. And by the way, Ezra, a Ezra. lot of left... Ezra, hang on. We'll be right back for our last segment with you. So thank you so much. Hold on. We'll be right back on The Seth Leibson Show. This is Udi Jasser in the chair for Seth Leibson, rounding out the hour with the brilliant Ezra Levant, founder and president of Rebel News Media. He is the president of rebelnews.com, has reporters across Canada closely covering the truckers' freedom convoy. Let me let you finish your thought uh, here, uh, Ezra. Thank you so much for, for helping us today understand this. Uh, we were talking about Biden and how y- you feel, I think, very legitimately so that he might end up saving uh, 
Trudeau politically. But what do you think is going to be the ramifications even for Biden into uh, 22's elections? Well, I, I see a very interesting thing happen. I mean, who is your typical person who, who is worried about vaccine mandates and lockdowns? It's not just traditional conservative people right of center. I have discovered so many people that two years ago I would have been at odds with because I'm conservative. I'm talking about people who were Green Party or like Bernie Sanders supporters or even, you know, far left people who, what did they really care about? Well, if you listen to them, they were skeptical of big pharma and they're skeptical of big corporations and of big government and big pharma getting together. Well, that, that used to be the left-wing point of view. Where, where do those people go now? People who said, my body, my choice, my personal privacy. Where do those people go now? Because the parties of the left say, no, you have to take the jab. What about people who say, respect collective agreements for labor unions? Well, so many labor unions, their leadership sold out their members by saying, sure, we'll accept the boss forcing a jab on people. We're not going to grieve it, even though it's not in the collective bargaining, the collective agreement. So I think so many of the things people on the left cared about, they find themselves without a party. And I'm not saying they're going to be, suddenly become conservative Republicans, but I think that what made them left-wing or liberal in the first place was a belief in their individual autonomy. You might even call them sort of libertarian. Right. And they've been shocked by how they've been treated. Canada has a a full-blown socialist party called the NDP. And you would think they would be on the side of the truckers. They have been the most vicious. It's startling. It's... Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, uh, you know, as you look at uh, where we're headed, you're exactly right. Is it, It'll be interesting to see, like Joe Rogan, right? He's a Bernie Sanders supporter and yet uh, has been taking the brunt of uh, sort of the uh, traditional uh, elitist uh, politics, if you will. Ezra, your website, I would recommend everybody to go to rebelnewsmedia.com. You do invaluable work. Thank you, by the way, for your support of us reformist Muslims. Uh, Raheel's going to be on later. And uh, uh, you are all uh, just, uh, you give us platforms when nobody else will. So thank you for all that you do. Please tell our audience where they can find you and what you're doing. Thanks very much. Well, the main website is just rebelnews.com. And we sure have had a focus on these truckers lately. So you'll find, we actually have reporters all across the country at nine different locations. So if you want to know more about the truckers, go to rebelnews.com. And thanks so much, Dr. Jasser, for having me. Anytime. God bless you, Ezra. Keep up the great work, and we'll continue to follow you. This is uh, Zudi Jasser filling in for Seth Leibson. We'll be back in the next hour to talk about the Olympics, China, the Uyghur genocide, and a lot more with uh, leaders in the community. Zudi Jasser filling in for Seth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.